Good morning, everyone. As we continue to hear from uh, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah speaking to the people, um, they were having a very, very difficult time. And um, I bring this up because we may think we have it rough right now, uh, but we, not compared to them, it was very difficult for them. As a matter of fact, there was little reason for hope for them. And in comes the prophet Isaiah. And the people are wondering, where is God in all of this? And he's reminding them, he would remind them and as you read the whole of the book, everything that God has done, but that God is doing something even now. And he said, and you must do something too. Remain in faith and prepare. And these are wise words of Isaiah. And the same thing, St. Peter, obviously is addressing something also. People are wondering, what's going on? When is the, as we understand in the theological speak, the perusia? When is the second coming? The funny thing about that Greek word, and the Greek words in general, they always have these little nuances that English doesn't have. And perusia, uh, while it refers to the second coming of the Christ, it is also a word that implies and has a subtleness about uh, presence, the very presence and the very uh, appearance of Christ, not just in one event, but a continuum. But very strictly speaking, the perusia for us, we refer to it as the second coming. But this word implies that Christ is around already. And he says, you know what? A day is but a thousand years. And he didn't say it was exact. And people are like, okay, I'm going to start counting. Well, he didn't say, he said it's like. And when we think about eternity, what, what, is, what is a thousand years? What is that? I mean, last night I told people, when, you, when I begin to think about it, it's like, <laughs> but obviously they're feeling something's up. Jesus isn't coming back. They're worried. He's delayed. And then Peter says, and by the way, he's not delayed in the sense that we think about it. Uh, and you should uh, perhaps look at it as given, he's given you time to get your life in order. Because he doesn't want anything lost. And Jesus would tell us before uh, that nothing that the Father has given me should be lost. So we're given time to prepare. And uh, my friends, the um, St. Mark, his gospel is the shortest of all the gospels, and it is the first one written. And St. Luke and uh, St. Matthew uh, take pieces from St. Mark uh, to write their own. And uh, St. Mark begins his gospel with a proclamation, a Christological proclamation. Two statements. This is the gospel, remember gospel means the good news, of Jesus the Christ the Son of God, two Christological truths that become absolutely essential to the faith. This is important for St. Mark. It is important for us. It is the basic foundation understanding of the Christian belief. Jesus is not only Messiah, anointed one, but he is Savior. But he is the very Son of God, and thus everything that he says is true. Everything that he does is good. All that comes out from him is light. And this is good news for us. Jesus the Christ is the Son of God. It's one of the things that is most unique about our Christian faith that makes us different from the other religions. 
Other religions may have their prophets, and some of them are revered as prophets who spoke for God, and referred into Judaism. And other religions may have wise people, and even those who uh, we would uh, consider to be holy. But none have been honored as God. Jesus is proclaimed in the Gospels as God. Not a God, not like a God. God. One in being with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. St. Mark gets right to the point and the essence of our faith, but also to the very reason why he came. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And St. Mark reminds us that what he is presenting in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word Christ is not just some surname. It's not his last name. Like Father Mark Guzman, that's my last name. It means anointed one, the Messiah. My friends, um, in this gospel, te- uh, in his gospel, St. Mark, uh, except for two brief references to Mary, his mother, St. Mark does not devote much time telling us about Jesus' incarnation or about his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. We have St. Matthew and St. Luke to thank for the beautiful stories that we do have uh, that took place around Jesus' incarnation. Why would Mark do this? I suspect he does this in order to stress another concept for us. That is, the, that if we are going to experience the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, St. Mark begins his gospel by telling us about John the baptizer. And Jesus said, no one, no one of human origin, born of a woman, is greater than he. And I'm like, oh, hmm. For St. Mark, this was important to speak of John the Baptizer at the start of his Gospels for two reasons. First, because many people of the time were coming to John. They thought he was the Messiah. They thought he was the Savior. John is a visible and powerful prophet, one that there has been no prophet before him for 400 years. 400 years there was no prophet. And then John appears. John is the son of a priest. St. Mark makes it clear using John's own words. However, one mightier than I is coming, and I am not worthy to even untie his sandals or tie them back up again. And my friends, this is important uh, because uh, when we read about John the baptizer, and, and you know, my son's a humor, and I'm like, you know what? He was eating flying cockroaches. That's what locusts are to me, flying cockroaches and honey. And he was dressed kind of nutty. By our standards, he would be repulsive. We would run away from him. And just the opposite is happening. People are coming to him in droves. Because he was speaking something. And not only did he look kind of odd to us and kind of nutty, But his message was tough. Repent and prepare. He even had the religious leaders all up in arms. And he called them out. Remember, he called them vipers. (laughs) John, now, now, be careful. 
St. Mark puts forth the importance of John's message. Repent and prepare. Jesus coming out of the Jordan being baptized and the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus are different from each other. John's was an outward sign, if you will, only. Be baptized with water. I mean, John tells us, I baptize you with water, but the other one's coming. He's going to do something greater. And, but Jesus himself will speak of the, he will use the same message. Jesus will say, repent and believe, have faith. John the baptizer, when he says, repent, uh, my friends, um, repentance does not mean only regret for your past wrongdoings or a performance of penance when the priest says, do 15 Hail Marys. John means you must change your hearts and minds. You must turn away from sin. It is a new direction, a new beginning. You must stay in the will of God. You must be his friend. This is what ultimately John is going to get at. Preparing, of course. Um, John is not talking about the way we would prepare uh, in our Christmas season, you get your house ready and you get the meal ready and all that. And those are all wonderful things, but that's not what John is talking about. John the Baptizer is talking about preparing your heart. Advent is a time of expected hope and also of, yes, repentance and yes, of preparation. So my friends, our question is, can we prepare more for Christ, given the definition I've just given you? Can we say that we love God as much as we can? Probably not. So, prepare. Get ready. Prepare. Can we say that we have Christian love and charity and forgiveness for others in the measure which Jesus asked us to do? I don't think so. Just a scan of social media would be a pretty good thermometer for that. Preparing the way for the Lord, perhaps most of us, maybe we don't have to lay low mountains of pride and ego, and maybe uh, we don't have to do all these other things, and perhaps maybe most of us do not have valleys of spiritual apathy and laziness or serious mortal sin uh, that needs to be eliminated to prepare for the Lord's coming. Uh, but if we are really honest with ourselves and reflect on our lives, we probably discover that we can love God more, be more faithful, have more confidence. We can probably be kinder to other people more often. And friends, prepare the way of the Lord is the message of John the baptizer and the message of the Gospels. And many people mistakenly assume God's kingdom will take little or no effort on our part, to be part of it. But that is not what the Gospels tell us. St. John the Baptizer says, you need to do something. You need to repent. You need to prepare. And Jesus will say the same thing. It does not come automatically for us. We have our part to do. However, the Gospels do not tell us uh, um, the exact, well, it does give us a, some great formulas, huh? 
all of God's holy prophets, John the baptizer, St. Mark, all the evangelists, all the apostles, told us, quite simply and directly, prepare. And how will we do this? And go, I'm go back and we can read the Gospels. I can keep it simple and quote you Psalm 15, or I can quote Micah for you. You have been told what is good, what the Lord wants. The Lord requires this, that you do that which is just and to love goodness and to walk humbly with God. We need to do all those things. The path uh, that is the way of life that Jesus spoke about is one of holiness, a life of devotion, a life of repentance, a life of forgiveness, a life of charity, a life of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. This is the way of life to which Jesus Christ baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. My friends, in this time, uh, people come and talk to their pastor and um, they speak of hopelessness and of uh, questioning God, what he's doing, and stuff like that. And uh, um, then they speak about, and I don't mean to make light, uh, uh, well, this is so difficult. And I'm like, you don't have it bad. You want to see bad? First, we'll go into history and look at the scriptures. You want to see bad? Go to another part of the world. Faith. You need it. It is when things are most difficult that you need the faith, when you need to trust God. I gave a homily months ago and said, get in the boat and don't get out. Don't get out of the boat. Are you insane? If you were actually out in the ocean and there was a storm, would you get out of the boat? No, you stay in the boat. Put on your life vest. The sacraments. Put on God's grace and grab hold of something in the boat. You're coming to the end of the storm. For crying out loud, don't give up now. <laughs> Stay in the boat. Use your faith. Keep that life jacket on, tied up tight. And grab hold of the boat. And don't let go. God is always doing something. And sometimes he sends you and I, as he has from the beginning with the prophets. Be that sign of faith and hope now in this time. My friends, again, if you haven't picked up your Advent Christmas wreath and swags, uh, uh, our school's holding a fundraiser, and they have those available just out in the breezeway. Christ told us, do not be unbelieving, but believe in all times, in all ways, in all things. Amen.